1882, Nietzsche declared God is dead in his book, The Gay Science. While atheists took the statement as triumphal, they quickly sidestepped from the fact that he goes on to say this in The Gay Science. Quote, God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderer of all murderers? What was the holiest and the mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives? Who will wipe his blood off us? What water is there to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? When read in context, Nietzsche sure seems to be asking, do we have an adequate replacement for Christianity if we get rid of it? Shouldn't we ask ourselves this before we go around destroying it? But as per the usual arrangement, we ignorantly and rebelliously moved past the Enlightenment and the God is Dead movement, damning the consequences as if they wouldn't eventually catch up to us. And now, here we are, making progress in the present, and now we find we can't even define what a woman is anymore. What is a woman? Thank God, or excuse me, I don't, I don't want to trigger you. Thank the holy Alfred Kinsey. If that weren't enough, we have a whole group of adults who can't even define love. Love is love sounds so much like what an elementary school student would say. But the meaning of words is not the only thing we've lost, because we've lost meaning as a whole. The Death of God movement has created a crisis of meaning in the West of monumental proportions in the present. We stuck our middle finger up in the air at God as a society, and we expected everything to be peachy. Well, it isn't. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. I just have enough guts to quit pretending. The rejection of God has made people so desperate to know their lives matter that they'll cut on themselves just to get someone to see them. They'll publicly undress in front of strangers on OnlyFans pages for a quick dollar and not consider what the legacy they're leaving behind for their kids actually is. Are you going to be proud that you have your little ones and they look at you and go, didn't you want to be a lawyer, mommy? What happened? Yeah. And you go, yeah, but look at all my stuff. They can cry in a Ferrari. And we'll stoop to the depth of calling morbid obesity beautiful. I am the beauty standard. <sighs> Sure, I guess getting incredibly fat will get you more noticed, to be sure, but it will also give you cardiac arrest and arthritis. In 2021 alone, suicide rose 11% from years before and continues to go up in the present. And from the year 2000 to the present, deaths from alcohol, drugs, and suicide has risen 300%. Trans people conscript others to affirm their identity by using fake pronouns in an attempt to get someone else to join them in their delusion when they find that their surgeries and pills don't provide what was promised them. If they can just not feel alone in their pain, maybe it'll all be worth it, they tell themselves. But it isn't, because the only thing that can fill the God-shaped hole in your heart is God. Today we'll talk about the rise in UFO talk and show how it's not much more than an attempt to make the drudgery of life a little more easy to palate. That's why when a young man in Las Vegas gives his harrowing tell of seeing aliens in his backyard, we should probably be a little skeptical. We'll also see that Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame is set to retire from his fame, fortune, and career. The very thing our materialistic culture has promised us would bring us purpose. And finally, I'll show you that the new drug user vending machines with crack pipes and syringes in New York City seem a lot like the approach some pastors are taking toward the LGBTQ community in the month of June. Through it all, I'll show you why a resurrected savior is the cure for a world with a dead God. 
All that and more today on IndieThinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to check out today's show sponsor. Now, if you're going to curb inflation, you're going to have to get creative, whether that's by pinching pennies or by dreaming dreams and maybe starting that business that you've dreamt of for years. If you're going to do that, you're going to need help. And our friends over at Anchor can help you. They can help you with bookkeeping, accounting, staffing. They can even help you with business strategies to help take your business to the next level. Now, how do I know? Because they help us here at IndieThinker. And you won't find a better group of people than those that work at Anchor. I know Devan and his team will do the best that they can to make sure that they put your business in a place to succeed. And you need people in your corner, especially the experts, if you're going to start a business in today's economy. But they can help you with all that and more. But to see everything that they can help you with, you need to go to Anchor. But you got to spell the name right. A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. Go over there today and let them show you how they can put legs underneath your vision. And when you do so, let them know that Andy Thinker sent you. To be sure, the truth is out there and we are not alone, but maybe not the way Scully and Mulder told us growing up. Now, there has been an increase in the claims of visitation and seeing aliens, as well as seeing UAPs or UFOs in the sky. Now, this also comes on the heels of our Pentagon telling other lawmakers that, in fact, that they do investigate unidentified unidentified aerial phenomenon, otherwise known as UFOs, and have been doing so for some time. That probably shouldn't come as a surprise to you, but of course, it has not stopped the sky-watching community from suggesting that, of course, we all know what this is. E.T. has come to visit us again. Get your bicycles ready. It's time to take off. So according to sworn testimony from high-ranking intelligence officials, the U.S. has received multiple craft of non-human origin. Just recently, a high-ranking official named David Grush went on News Nation to inform the public about the top secret information that he has. Here's a clip of him doing that. You were trusted with the most intimate secrets. Yes. Grush sitting down with award-winning investigative journalist Ross Coulthart, who's reporting for News Nation and has spent years reporting on the UFO question. What conclusion did you come to at the end of your time on the UAP task force? Uh, the UAP task force was refused access to um, a broad crash retrieval program. When you say crash retrieval, what do you mean? Uh, these are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft if you will, non-human, exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. We have spacecraft from another species. We do, yeah. How many? Quite a number. Now, if you saw the interview in its entirety, you will know this much about David Grush. Sure, he was a high-ranking official, but he also is operating simply on hearsay. And whatever materials he has, he has not released. So this whistleblower has no problem blowing the whistle, but he just doesn't have an actual flag to throw in the air to actually tell us what was going on. So... I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, at least to just say this. A whistleblower should have some evidence other than just his testimony, but not David Grush. With David Grush, what we get is the assertion that, of course, there have been UFOs who have wrecked on the Earth. But 
We don't just get that Earth has seen visitation from these UAPs or UFOs, but actually that we have some of the pilots of these UFOs. Here's the interview continuing on to tell us that. Do we have bodies? Do we have species of... What? Well, naturally, um, when you recover something that's either landed or crashed, um, sometimes you encounter um, dead pilots. And uh, believe it or not, as as fantastical as that sounds, it's true. For those in the skeptic community, you're probably used to hearing those sky gazers out there say things like this to you. Why would David Grush do this? Why would he ruin his career and come out and talk about this if it weren't so? As far as I can tell, since all we're doing is trusting on hearsay of a quote-unquote whistleblower, that's about the best that we have, is trying to figure out how to make a common sense argument for what David is actually telling us. So why would he do this? Hmm, I don't know. And Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire seems to not be able to put these two things together, as you'll see in this clip of Ben Shapiro speaking to Matt Walsh about the visitation of aliens. Here it is. Why would what would be his incentive to make this up? He's he's setting the, his own career on fire. He's not setting the world ablaze, but he is setting his career ablaze and his life potentially. Why would he do that if it's entirely made up? But the other thing, Ben, you have to remember is that this is just this is not one because story. Because you know his name now and you've never heard of him before. Okay, well, so what is what is what good does that do? I was like, so he'll write one book, maybe. I, I'm not even sure if it'd be a bestseller. And uh, and then and then that's Matt, it. wait, hold up, hold up. You're saying people don't do things to be famous? And to get on TV and to and to like be and to, to be notorious, I feel like I feel like this runs counter to much of your your view of the world. People do things. Your to cynicism me. seems to have disappeared here, Matt, and I'm, I'm disturbed. So somehow Matt Walsh has convinced his followers that he actually believes that aliens exist and that our life is incredibly boring if they don't exist and that they must exist because look at all the information and the evidence that we have of their existence. In the meantime, he cannot see the forest for the trees because he cannot see why there might be somebody who would lie about seeing aliens. Perhaps it could come from the fact that nobody knew who David Grush was until he started coming out and talking about aliens and that whatever career he had before is going to be nothing compared to the book deal and the news interviews that he will be offered now that he is an alien expert. Now, forgive me. I think Matt Walsh is a pretty intelligent man, so I think he knows this very, very well. And he's kept this troll going on in an admirable way that I think deserves all the appreciation in the world while not stooping to the place of actually throwing out all of your mental capacity and the thinking process that would be necessary to actually believe that David Grush is telling us the truth. So why would David Grush lie about aliens? Why would he ruin his career? Because the career that he has in store for him is way better if he can actually get some traction with this false story. Case in point, just last week, around the same time as David Grush's story came out, conveniently, a clip of a young boy who claimed to see a eight-foot-tall alien creature in his backyard came out and The Las Vegas local news station was there to exclusively report on this young man who saw aliens. So 
Here's that. Buck, I'm Denise Valdez. I'm Brian Loftus. A family says something crashed into their backyard, prompting them to call 911, saying they saw creatures walking around. Our 8 News Now investigators digging into this for weeks now. And tonight, our David Charns with the video you will only see on 8 News Now. David? Brian, Denise, sources telling Bay News Now investigators that several agencies believe something landed or crashed. Whether it was non-humans or not, it certainly scared the people living on on this property. Now, before we show you that video, listen to their call for help. There's like an eight foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh, in my backyard. No, I know. The fear that was dripping off that phone call, the Academy Award winning performance that you just saw was not an actor, but a real life young boy that was terrified out of his mind. That's what you heard right there on that phone conversation. Or maybe a boy that didn't really even do that great of a job trying to sell us on the fact that he saw an eight foot alien in his backyard. Now, again, why would anyone do these kind of things? Well, this young boy has a YouTube channel. And his YouTube channel has a total of one video on it. This young man has 8,000 subscribers and close to a half a million views on this one video describing the harrowing events. On this video, which I will save you the brain cells of showing you, uh, he claims at the very beginning, now I know you think that I'm not telling the truth, but I promise you I am. Whenever you have to you know, put that disclaimer forth on a video, Typically, you should have a high level of skepticism when you when you see it. Needless to say, the fact that this boy has one video and has more subscribers than me and has more views than any of the videos that I've made, which total now over about 600, is completely unconscionable. Now, I am not complaining about the 50% of you who watch my show and then don't subscribe. I am not complaining about the hours of research and effort that I put into the show every single week. And I'm not complaining about the fact that this little boy, all he had to do was tell one lie and get more views and more subscribers than me. I am not complaining about that because I am not bitter whatsoever. I'm just merely trying to frame this for you so that you understand. The reason these people are saying these things is that you actually get attention for doing it. And it is the kind of attention that people so often in our culture crave today. Not only is it fame, but it's just the fact that someone notices you. Forgive me for going back to the subject and kind of the theme of today's show, but I can't help but see the death of God in the midst of this. While Matt Walsh is a true believer, and I believe trying to play a huge troll on each and every one of us, he suggests that, that the existence of aliens makes life more interesting. I rather think the existence of God is all the intrigue we need alone. And in fact, if we would actually focus our attention off of the stars and deeply within the soul that's inside of each and every one of us, we might find that God is a much more interesting read than anything else out there in the universe. Because in fact, he is the one that created it. So if you are mystified by the universe, maybe the answer is a little bit closer to home in a little book called the Bible, just simple friendly suggestion. But I think ultimately the point here at the end of the day is that people are desperate to be noticed. People are desperate for attention and they are desperate to believe they are not alone. Well, point of fact, you're not. 
because God exists and he loves each and every one of you. And that is infinitely more interesting than these fake stories. So I hope you'll pay attention to that. And fame is not all it's cracked up to be anyway, even if you get attention from these alien stories, as we'll see in our next story, because Brian Cranston has come out to tell us that he is going to retire. According to the LA Times, Cranston, known for his Emmy award-winning portrayal of Walter White in the AMC series Breaking Bad, wrote on Instagram that taking a break would allow him to spend more time with his wife, Robin, and give him a sort of reset in his career. During his pause, he also plans to unplug from social media and read classic novels. Now, Cranston will go on to suggest that he also plans on gardening and spending time with his wife, because essentially this retirement is a means of living life basically like everybody else in the world lives life. Now, we're told all the time that the life of the leftist Hollywood elite is exactly what we should desire. Now, how do I know Brian Cranston is a leftist Hollywood elite? Well, obviously we know he's a Hollywood elite, but he has also been very publicized as saying things about critical race theory like as follows. The U.S. really hasn't confronted its historical relationship to slavery in the same way. Quote, you present it and you say, well, 400 years of slavery, yeah, but we're moving on. We're, we're moving on, he said. And it's like, no, let's really discuss it. Now, push aside for a moment the fact that every single school child in America knows that America has a history of slavery and racism, as does every single society in the history of humanity. So every single one of us knows this. Is it perhaps that we're a post-racial society and that we're so far removed from those days that we don't feel like we have to talk about it every single day, especially when we're being you know, cajoled by Black Lives Matter to have those kind of conversations? Is it perhaps that's why we don't talk about it every single moment? The idea that we haven't come to terms or had a reckoning with slavery um, since, since we brought the first slaves over in America is just absolutely ridiculous. Every single school child is taught it, as I said before, and every single person understands that it is something that has historical ramifications. But the reality is, is how much of those ramifications are in the present? Who knows? But more importantly, the point here is just simply this. Brian Cranston has lived the life of the leftist utopia. He has experienced fame, money, fortune. He can't go anywhere where people don't know him, regardless of if his head is shaved like Walter White or if he has hair like the Trumbo actor. The reality is, is that Brian Cranston is a perfect example, not only of fame and fortune, but how the left has been lying to us for years about what is really important for life. Now, I know some of you are saying his break is just temporary, or even if it is, everybody has the right to retire from their work. Well, of course, everybody does have the right to retire, especially after they've had a storied career in whatever industry and field that that is. But it's interesting to me that Brian Cranston has essentially believed all the ideological things that the left wants you to believe and has achieved all of the things that we tell our materialistic culture that you're supposed to achieve. So if it really is all it's cracked up to be, would you really want to take a break from it and or retire from it permanently? And more importantly, would you want to retire from it in such a way that you go back to doing what every day average Americans do every single day of their life? So we've been told fame and fortune is the thing that will ultimately bring true purpose in your life. Well, the things that truly bring purpose in your life, you don't take a break from them. Perhaps the secular culture that we've foisted upon millions of Americans actually isn't all it's cracked up to be. Perhaps materialism 
being the god of most average Americans, actually really doesn't provide the kind of deep existential meaning that we need in each and every one of our lives. Perhaps gardening, being with your family, taking on roles and responsibility are the ways in which we truly derive meaning and purpose in this life. And so here's the point. We need to get back to the place where we're actually living for the things that matter in the long run, where the kind of lives that we're living are the kind of lives that we want to be doing 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Of course, everyone has the right to retire. I'm just simply saying this, please follow me, that it's best if we can commit our lives to the things that will really matter in the future, to the things that will matter 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years down the road. And we live our lives completely you know, committed to those things. And ultimately, as I live my life and the older I get, the more I realize that there are very few things in life that I really want to commit my everything to. That's my wife, that's my family, and that's my God. Those are the things that truly bring the most amount of peace and rest for your soul. So live now doing the things that you would like to grow old doing as much as possible Quit with the tattoos and the trans surgeries because a 90-year-old man with tattoos all over his body isn't that attractive. And by the way, if we're going to talk about the body positivity movement, let me just go ahead and deliver some crushing news, like literally. There are not 500-pound elderly people. You know why? Because morbid obesity tends to take people much younger and they don't get to live their lives well into their elderly years and enjoy those years. So ultimately, again, I'm saying it's important for us as a society, as well as individually, to figure out what are the things that we want to live our lives doing that will matter the most in the long term. So play, play the long game with life and don't just live for the materialistic things that are flashy in the moment. Figure out those things that matter the most. And as we dig into our final segment, Bible study with Democrats, I hope you'll see there is one thing that matters more than anything else that we can do in this life. Oh, God of pronouns. In the latest Orwellian attempt to try to destroy language with Newspeak, the New York City Health Department has been placing public health vending machines around New York City. Now, Double speak in this way, public health vending machines sure look a lot like drug use vending machines because these quote unquote public health vending machines come complete with crack pipes, syringes, and of course, condoms to complete not only the Orwellian destruction of language, but the brave new world vending machines of vending machines to give people drugs and sex to help them plug out of reality. So apparently drugs and sex sell but uh, the taxpayers are the ones who are fitting the bill in New York City, among other places. Now, these machines cost a, an estimated $11,000 per machine, and then it may cost a literally untold number of lives since we'll never really know how many people overdose and die as a result of this state-sponsored program. So let me just ask a real quick question here that seems to be the, the obvious logical question. If this is really about public health and saving lives, and you want people to, you say, have clean syringes so they're not injecting AIDS into their arms or other foreign substances, you want them to have the best uh, chance of kicking their habit and getting off drugs, 
and you want them to have the right necessities in case something bad were to happen in case of, of a horrible accident. Why not just put Narcan in these things? Why not just put the kind of drugs that would help somebody who is overdosing in these things if they really are about public health rather than public drug use. It sure seems that these people are not that interested in public health and are more interested in a state-sponsored drug program. So this is not odd coming from the genocidal left who aborts babies in the wombs and then uh, uh, aborts babies in the womb and then also tries to mutilate children before they even have the ability to decide whether or not they want to have kids in the future, or those who resort to claiming climate change is the greatest threat we are facing in America when they're not claiming that white supremacy is, and suggesting that we need way less people if we're going to fight climate change. The genocidal left seems bent upon giving people the weapons of their own destruction, and here it is no different. So as a Christian, I think we have something to say about it. Now, Dr. Ashton Valson uh, came out, and he is the public health director in New York City, and he came out and said this about the vending machines, quote, they are an innovative way to meet people where they are and to put out life-saving tools like naloxone in their hands. You know, to meet people where they are, you have to give them the weapons of their own destruction and give them tools that will help them ruin their lives and their families' lives. This is the great way to meet people where they are. I can't tell you how often I've heard these words in church. Now, as a Christian, I'm concerned about the people in New York City um, in a very imminent physical way, but I'm also concerned about this approach to public health and this approach to Christianity. This, this meeting people where they are line sure seems code for giving people what you want rather than what they need or giving things to people that makes you feel better about yourself rather than being honest about what will truly help people the most. Could it be that our society has hamstrung itself from the kind of spiritual answers that are necessary for drug addicts? And because we are such a secular society, we cannot suggest or prescribe any of those rather than we just prescribe crack pipes and clean syringes for the ache of the human soul. But again, this is not just public health officials in New York City. This is also people in the church. So I'm about to show you a clip. And this is a clip of a Catholic pastoral approach to LGBTQ issues. And I want you to have a similar kind of skepticism as I tried to recommend you have with these public health vending machines. And I want you to have a similar skepticism with this clip I'm about to show you. So, so I'm going to stop throughout this clip and give you kind of some feedback as we go throughout it, as we look at this pastoral approach to LGBTQ issues. Many, if not most of us, have close friends and family who experience same-sex attractions. How can we as Catholics nurture these relationships while not abandoning the teachings of the faith? How can we convey to our friends and family how much we love them without waving away the true intentions and purpose of sexuality? So the question at the forefront here, before we even get into the actual conversation, is that we want to nurture relationships among people that we know and love that are in the LGBTQ community, but we want to do so while upholding the real true purpose of marriage and not abandoning the faith. 
So the answer is already given at the beginning of the video. The way that you truly nurture those relationships is by not abandoning the faith and making it central in the conversation, because that truly is the answer at the end of the day. So let's see if that is the prescription that we get in this video. The answer to all of these questions can be found in the art of true, loving accompaniment. Found in what? Of true, loving accompaniment. Wait a second. True, loving accompaniment? What are we talking about here? What do I mean by that? To truly accompany someone, we don't start by citing church teaching or trying to tell a person exactly what their problems are and exactly how they can go about solving them. First, we must be willing to listen to a person's story. All right, so maybe you don't start there, but you do get there eventually, right? When we take someone's story seriously, we give them the chance to take it seriously themselves. Look at the story of Jesus meeting the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He's newly risen from the dead, having just opened the gates of heaven and brought salvation to the entire world. He sees his friends for the first time, but instead of launching into an explanation of the miracle that's just happened, or even revealing himself, he simply asks them to tell their story. Okay, stop. All right, enough. Okay. Simply ask them to tell their story. Does this guy not know how to read past a period? Because what Jesus will do once he hears these guys' story, will he will launch into his own story, and he will start from the Old Testament at the beginning and go all the way through it and tell them how he is the prophesied Messiah, how all of the Old Testament was about him. So, of course, maybe we started really good with this video, and I'm willing to accept that perhaps to truly understand where a person is coming from, it's important to listen to their story. But when do we get to the part about actually telling them the truth of God's word? When do we actually get to the place where we're not just doing this loving accompaniment nonsense that sounds like it came from, you know, Sigmund Freud's diabolical laboratory? When do we actually get past moral therapeutic deism and get to the truth of God's word? Are we ever going to get there in this clip? Somehow I highly doubt it. It can be difficult to talk about their experience of same-sex attractions. They've probably had questions for a long time, and you're just finding out. In that moment, try to receive a friend with gratitude and communicate three important truths. I love you. I believe God has a plan for your life, and I'd like to hear your story. All right, we've heard enough. You can watch the rest of that clip if you wish, but honestly, it doesn't get any better than what you just heard. So it's time to just be really honest with ourselves about what about what we have been doing in the church for the longest time. What this Catholic priest just got done telling us is very little different than what we heard from this doctor in New York City. We have to meet people where they are. Friend, the reason you meet people where they are is so that you can get them to where they are going. I'm so sick and tired of Christian evangelicals especially telling us that the best thing that we can offer to people is listening tours. Go around listening to everybody and hear their stories. It's not really the thing that that really will help people at the end of the day. If you know the cure for spiritual cancer and you don't give it to people, then you are not benevolent. You are not compassion. What doctor in their right mind would listen to their patient and never prescribe 
the remedy for whatever is ailing them if they truly have it. We would never look at that as uncompassionate or unloving. The only reason we think it is is because we've allowed the left and the secularism of our age to weigh in on what we think as Christians. And the real important thing to do at the end of the day is not just point your finger back at yourself and show people how loving you are, and certainly not just merely to point your finger at the person that's struggling with their LGBTQ same-sex attraction. It's to go one step further than that, and that's to do, give more than just human sympathy, and that's to give them God's truth because that is truly the way to show compassion. And in fact, in our present age, because it is so secular, to point back to God's truth is a way to truly perform an act of unparalleled compassion because the person in the LGBTQ community knows that you are risking something by being really honest with that individual about what you believe. When you do that, you're saying, I care more about you than I do about the social pressure of this world and the social pressure even that may come from you. I'm not as concerned about what you may think about what I have to say as much as I am concerned about you. See, we need to flip the script. Telling the truth of God's word is not uncompassionate. It is the greatest thing that you can do. So yeah, it's not enough to just merely point at sin. You need to take your finger and point it back at the Bible. Last thing I want to say about this is that there's this conversation that takes place every year during the month of June among Christians about side A and side B Christianity. And side A Christianity is where we condemn homosexuality, and side B Christianity is where you are a um, a person with same-sex attraction, but you don't you don't act on that. You know, you you are celibate, um, and you don't act upon your same-sex attraction. Now, the problem with this whole conversation in the first place is that it utterly misses the point. When you finally take your finger away from pointing at yourself and how compassionate you are and pointing at other people and talking merely only about their sin, and don't take your finger and point it back at the Word of God, you are missing a truth in God's Word that tells people that they can be delivered from whatever is going on in their life, that they don't just have to be celibate the rest of their life because they're always going to be attracted to the same sex. They can find true deliverance to that. Now, you may not believe that as a, a person that is not a Christian, but certainly if you are a Christian, I hope we can 100% agree with the fact that there is hope and there is redemption. And to not tell people that story and to not get them there as quickly as possible is truly an unparalleled act of cowardice. And what we need is more people who are willing to stand up, meet people where they are, but then to help them to get where they need to be to truly overcome whatever it is that they're dealing with. The longer cowardice sticks around in the church and the longer secularism continues to define what we do as Christians, we will find that we are impotent and ineffective in the world. We'll find that listening tours may make you feel better about yourself and you get to pat yourself on the back for being compassionate, but it doesn't actually help the individual. If you truly want to be compassionate, it's time that we started being really, really honest about what God's word said and what we believe. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, go with God. 